0: In September, Swedish technology business ITech released a white paper that showed a substantial increase in the number of vessels idling. Many of these ships are waiting for orders in biofouling hotspots where water temperature can hit 25 degrees Celsius. Ships spending much of their time operating in these regions are at acute risk of excessive hard fouling accumulation. Recent news about severe port congestion forcing ships to lie at anchor for several days and the stark warning that climate change is warming the world's oceans shouted from the rooftops in Glasgow during the COP26 gathering has focused attention on what happens when ships idle, how biofouling impacts vessel performance and why it might pay dividends to keep hulls clean. My name is Richard Clayton, I'm Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List, and today's podcast guest is Philip Chaban, a materials scientist who is Chief Executive of iTech. He's here to explain a little about why the build-up of tiny organisms on ships' hulls has such a massive impact on the environment. Welcome to this podcast, Philip.
1: Thank you so much, Richard.
0: Why has biofouling on hulls been such a big concern for shipping?
1: Well biofouling has occurred ever since someone initially tried to put a boat or a ship or a structure in water. It's been uh, out there all the time and uh, surprisingly enough we're still talking about the topic uh, many thousand years after the first uh, ever trip somewhere on oceans. Issue that we're now looking at is a tremendous complex biodiversity of organisms that can actually attach and that have a meaning to attach on the surface. Uh, So to find something that that manages all these is a challenge itself. As knowledge has been created in the academic world and in the industry itself, uh, the questionable compounds that has been used in the past have been put to light, but it's also been obvious to the industry that new approaches are to be put forward to come up with solutions that actually are consistent and compliant with regulatory schemes, i.e. they don't only solve the problem on biofouling of the hull, but also they minimize or or avoid any footprints in the marine environment. So putting that together with this big biofouling uh, set of organisms that it's very tricky to find a solution that actually will sustain. And adding to that, we have an ever-changing environment uh, in the oceans. Uh, the old oceans are different at different temperatures, different amount of nutrition, different sunlight and so on. That adds another uh, degree of complexity. And the fourth and the final one would be the industry requirement of impact resistance, of, a, of a endurance over 60 six months, five years. Uh, uh, overcoatability, drying times in dry docks and so on. So putting all this together, it is one of the most uh, complex product areas that we've been uh, witnessing. Um, And yet, knowing that's only a few options available, these coatings do have a potential to save some 5-25% to of CO2 emissions on a ship moving forward, if optimized to the best possible state.
0: So you've put out a white paper, um, which kind of brings together all your research into uh, how v- ships are idling more than they they, they used to. Um, what was the surprises that you found in this white paper, in this study?
1: Yeah, very, very good question. And first of all, we were quite amazed, actually, about all the data that was available. Even when we played around with the idea, we, we thought that no, nothing could be really found. It would be difficult to get any meaningful results from this but data is available in this industry uh, which is one of the big positives uh, in shipping and with help of experts uh, we received a lot of data and the, the surprising output of all this is that if you look from 2009 to 2020 uh, There's been double as much idling going on now than in 2009, and that's been a linear increase. So it's not only because we came through a COVID year with a lot of downturn in the economy, it's actually a linear increase. Uh, And and the increase is much larger than the the, uh, addition of new ships, so to say. Of course, a lot more trading has been going on, but still idling has increased. Likely because of port congestions or, or more complex supply chains that once in a while get disrupted and, and causes hiccups, and that can also be seen through the fact that every three to four years there are quite some substantial hiccups in the full system. So you have seen uh, we have seen in the data twenty to almost thirty percent of idling going on at certain periods, with four to five or three to four years of, of um, uh, in between, so to say. Right. Uh, the, the other surprising thing was that a massive amount of these idling ships that we talked about are actually idling in those waters that are most difficult from a fouling perspective, meaning at the 25 degree temperature zones uh, where, where uh, the foulings are suffering the most, where you need the most power in the coating to actually resist even short times of, of, of idling. Uh, possibly this could be uh, expected for those who are uh, working a lot in industry as as the developing countries are are are, um, are are you know being responsible for a lot of the increase in trade, but still this is uh, a very interesting trend to reflect on so so,
0: um, so the interest in biofouling isn't just an academic interest um there is a, a serious uh, ec- economic uh, interest in this too. Um, What has made biofouling such a hot topic today?
1: Yeah, uh, as you say, uh, the the academic part is uh, the analytics behind it and and then you add all the other aspects to it which then spells commercial advantages as you say or commercial impact. Uh, Biofouling has risen as a huge topic uh, mainly I would say because of the sharp correlation that uh, has been made now between the hull performance, if you call it that way, the, the, clean, uh, the cleanness of the hull and the, the link between that and the fuel consumption, the extra drag that it gives rise to. The quantification of those numbers uh, have been widely accepted nowadays. And there's even an ISO standard that the industry is supporting uh, that, that actually brings forward figures on how efficient a hull is on a ship versus another ship, where, where they measure so-called speed loss factors over a long period of time. And that makes anti-foulings turn into an investment case, actually, or, you know, a coating that's supposed to resist biofouling is nowadays an investment opportunity because the better it works, the more you save. The worse it works, the more terrible the fuel consumption will be uh, and actually will outplay most other efficiency technologies as well. So, the, again, academic has, the academia has helped to bring forward these um, fundamentals. The industry has then been very good in, in adapting to this and converting it into the commercial impact, which then will drive the change.
0: Now, iTech has been working with Chugoku Marine Paints in Japan for many years with your chemical Selectope. Um, what did Chugoku see in this technology that perhaps other paint makers missed?
1: I think a lot of paint makers saw a large interest initially. Uh, Shuguko had a history of being heavy on the technology side, which is quite typical Japanese, by the way. A lot of activity going on in the R&D departments, a heritage of being in the forefront of, of chemical innovation and the chemical industry. Uh, they also had a history before. Selectope come around of having what they would call then copper-free uh, anti-fouling solutions. Now, Selectope can also be well combined with any copper containing coating as well, but that's where they came from and they needed to, to improve that performance of that coating. Uh, Selectope came in very well and thanks to the big technical uh, efforts made uh, very early on, they, they got uh, results that proved or substantiated their further investments to, to bring forward m- more powerful coatings that could then address all the different ships needs uh, not the least in within the Japanese coastal market which is their starting point always Um, and and just linking into that uh, the the domestic protection of the long and nice water lines in Japan also plays a role in this to incentivize the companies to actually come up with better uh, solutions and Typically, Japanese step-by-step improvements forever is the way to go. And I think Selectope came in at the right time
0: there. So for a, for a ship owner, applying a premium coating with all this, this technology uh, it, it, as part of it um, is not cheap. How do we incentivize ship owners to invest in hull coatings in order to get the benefits that that, that, that offers?
1: This is a very very quick uh, good question, very timely question, and I would actually expand a little bit on the response to say the whole industry is needed or, or in need of investing in lots of different technologies, not only hull, hull coatings, it's a lot of other things, to meet and comply with a 40% reduction or 50% reduction in CO2. And all of these, most of these technologies are fairly unproven compared to what's been used uh, until today, so there is Uh, an unmaturity that normally comes with a higher cost, as you say. Uh, And there's also some sort of increased uncertainty of the effects they actually will have. But these have to come into play to to make this difference, or else there will not be any differences. So, we have to create a a situation where the the willingness to invest and take a little bit more risk, maybe, is increasing. And that's been done in the car industry and other places as well, so I'm I'm quite uh, confident with that. But To do this, there needs to be some success stories as well. And I think from from the marine coating perspective and and seeing the trajectory of Select the past six years, there is evidence that new technology can improve the situation and only five years into the game there are some 700 vessels out there according to our customers who are performing with this new technology and they manage to find a way to commercialize it meaning uh, earning uh, a fair amount of money uh, as well as delivering uh, increased value to their customers uh, so, so it's a um, combination of, of uh, having a successful uh, forerunners and an industrial mindset that allows for for investments a little bit more long term than only the next dry, uh, the next few days so to say
0: so as we're speaking uh, philip um the world leaders are meeting in uh, glasgow for cop 26 and they're looking at ways to reduce um the carbon footprint not only of shipping but of uh, every other industry that, that uh, we're involved in. What is your message to the shipping industry trying to align itself with the COP26 agenda?
1: My, my message is that a lot of technology is available out there now. Uh, together they can make a big difference in achieving the future targets of CO2 emissions. The hull part, which we represent at ITEC with our product Selectope, has been a part of that puzzle to make and prepare these coatings for a more uh, diverse use of ships in a condition that is constantly becoming more difficult. So the fouling protection becomes much stronger when uh, in, the, in the coatings that we're now seeing being developed. And for the leaders, it's about incentivize and understand that technologies out there. We need to find a way to get them on the ships with a fair balanced amount of risk taking and to help the industry make investment decisions around these technologies that won't maybe pay off the next two months, but maybe on a year or maybe one and a half year even. But in the long run, this is what needs to happen.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Biofouling has been a perennial headache for the shipping industry for centuries. However, it now looks like it's going to get far worse, particularly for those vessels idling in warmer waters. According to one study that ITEC worked on, four in 10 vessels surveyed had a barnacle fouling coverage on the hull of over 10%. This level of biofouling could be responsible for at least 110 million tons of excess carbon emissions. With the industry still facing its looming IMO 2050 greenhouse gas reduction targets and the impending introduction of EEXI and CII for existing ships, these findings serve as a reminder that a clean hull should be the first step of a fleet's decarbonisation strategy. Thank you, Philip, for your insight into the murky world of ship hull fouling. And thank you, too, for listening to this podcast.